appreciate everyone being here and hope that uh, the study of the morning is beneficial to you as well. I, I heard a story um, some time back. I was doing some research for a study and read a story written by the guy that, um, that this happened to. Was a, he was a preacher, some denominational church in the Houston area, and um, he had just moved to Houston, taken a job with a large church there, and he tells this story and um, impact that it had to him in the community, but he was taking a bus trip from his home to downtown Houston one day, and he got on the bus and paid his fare, and um, the guy gave him his change, and he went and took his seat, and as he sat down, he was counting through his change and realized the guy had given him a quarter too much change, and kind of thought through that a little bit and thought, well, I should probably return that extra quarter that he gave me, and Thought about it a little more. He said, you know, it's just a quarter. It's not worth the time and the effort, so I'll, I'll just keep that. It's these bus companies make too much money anyway, and so um, I'll just stick that quarter in my pocket. And kind of had a little moral dilemma in his head and a little conversation with himself as he made this bus ride. And as he got up to, got to the destination, he got up and uh, was getting off the bus. As he got to the door, he paused for a moment and reached in his pocket and got the quarter and handed it to the bus driver and said, hey, you gave me too much change when I paid my fare. And he said, oh, okay, you know, thank you. And he said, aren't you the new preacher in town? And the guy said, yeah, I am. And he said, I actually gave you that extra change on purpose. I just kind of wanted to see how you would react and uh, wanted to see what you would do with that. And this guy thought to himself and how that hit him, that one little decision that he made um, had such a big impact on one person. And he stepped off the bus, and the way he described it is he leaned against a light pole and kind of almost fainted and kind of thought to himself, I almost sold the Lord for a quarter. And I want to talk about the little things this morning, the little things in life and how, kind of, how big of an impact they can have on our lives. And I thought about that story this man told, and it made me think of a story that we read about in Mark chapter 12 about a widow woman there. I'm sure you've heard this story before, but I want to use it to guide our thoughts and our study this morning, Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41, Jesus was talking to the people here about some things that were going on in the temple. And if you read through Mark chapter 12, there's a lot of kind of little different chunks of stories and conversations and some parables and things like that that get told there. But he tells a story about this widow. They were sitting there and he says, they set against the treasury and behold how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living." I thought about this story as I was thinking about this preacher and the story he told and how the way we view things in life, and I want us to consider that for a little bit this morning, the, the way that we view things kind of versus the way that God views things. You think about this widow and maybe what the perception of her was. You think about the people that were sitting there observing people putting money into the treasury and think about the different ways that we judge people in our lives as humans, in our world, the world that we live in. I suppose, you know, People might have looked at her like we might look at a homeless person on the street today, or um, maybe they didn't even notice her at all. You know, they, she wasn't someone that had any kind of significant stature, any kind of um, 
religious stature, any kind of social status, clearly. And so the way that people viewed her, I suspect, was something that wasn't that great. But, it, but the way that she behaved and the way that, that Jesus observed her was enough to make the master think about her life. And so I think we can learn some lessons from this widow. And I want us to think about the little things in life. And there's three specific things that we're going to discuss this morning. The first is the fact that there are no little people with God. And again, how this woman was perceived, um, you know, you don't, we don't know. We, we get, what, three or four verses here about her. So we don't, we don't get any kind of background on her, any kind of view into if the disciples noticed her. It says Jesus called them to him. So I suspect maybe that, that none of them uh, had even noticed this woman before Jesus pointed her out and pointed out the action that she took. It's really interesting to me. And I suppose it's human nature that we always want to classify people in some way, whether that's race or social status or financial standing or whatever the case is, we always want to classify people. And I think the challenge for us is let's think about how God classifies people. Let's think about how he views people. What is his perception of people? Certainly, um, we read in the scriptures that God doesn't classify people like we would, like we tend to do. And so I want us to think about that this morning. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse number 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I think it's important to think about how God values the life of a human. You know, we would place importance on some people in our society, uh, a greater level of importance than we would other people. And I suppose, again, that's guided by social status or positions in government and things like that, but it's not something that God does, and it's not something that you'll find in the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, you find Scriptures that are contrary to that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But the way we value a human life is, the, is different than the way God does, and he certainly places a tremendous amount of intrinsic value on the value of one soul. He says he even numbers the hair on your head. And some of these, we, we talk about these um, parables and these descriptions that Jesus uses many times in the Gospels, and they're, all, they, they're, they're seemingly very simple, but I think that, that that's kind of also part of what we're talking about here this morning, that these little simple things in life are what make such a big impact on Christianity, on us trying to be Christians and trying to do what God wants us to do. He places a tremendous amount of value on the value of one soul. And we think about all the various things we see in our world, the sites of nature and the various things man has built and constructed over time and all these things that, are, that we would call magnificent. And he says, none of those compare to the value of one human life to me. And I think it's really important for us to realize that there are no little people with God. And especially as we think about what we call the mission, the mission of saving souls. Some of the speakers talked about that yesterday. You know, even as we deal with challenges with different things in our society that are significant social and political and religious challenges, we have to recognize the value of a soul, even if it's somebody that's doing something that we have strong disagreements with. We have to understand that there's value there. And it's hard to do sometimes. 
But as I said, we try to apply all these worldly standards. Listen to what he tells the Corinthians as he starts out the, the first, his first letter, Paul starts out the first letter to the Corinthians here. He says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This verse brings a lot of comfort to me. You know, when you think about... When I think about my own intelligence and level of understanding relative to other people, there's some really smart people in the world. There's people that know how to do things I have no clue how to do, and, and, and I'll try to do stuff, and I just, you just can't get it. But it also brings a lot of comfort to me when I think about just the, the pressures we get as Christians from society, from government, um, you know, over the course of my lifetime, how that's changed, the way you see things happen now relative to how they used to, and I kind of feel like I'm turning into the old get-off-my-lawn guy now and how it's, you know, my generation didn't have it as bad, and you, and I suppose that's been going on for generations, right? I look at my children and think that they're going to have to deal with things far worse than I had to deal with, and they're probably going to look at their kids someday and think they're going to have to deal with stuff that's worse than they did, and they may have to. But this verse gives me a lot of comfort to think that God views our world differently. God doesn't care if you're the president of the United States or if you're the widow that casts in a penny. The value's intrinsically the same to God. You look up the two farthings thing, it was, um, it's described as a tenth of a penny in modern day, um, in modern day worth. And I don't know... I didn't go do all the math on if that accounts for inflation relative to her time period or whatever, but it's at any, at any point in time, this was not considered a significant amount of money. I found a penny laying on the desk this morning when I came in. It's something that we wouldn't give a second thought to. Many times people won't even stop and pick a penny up. I always tell my kids, if you pick up a million pennies, you got 100,000 bucks or 10,000 bucks or whatever the math is. But it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of significant value in terms, of, in terms of what the world would see. But he says, don't think like the world thinks. The world doesn't value people the same way I do. It's, and it's really a simple concept, and it's easy to understand. But in practice, we don't always live that way. We don't always live like we understand how God values a person. Think about some of the... Great men and women of faith we read in the Scripture. You think about Moses. How would, we, how would we view Moses? If somebody asked you to name, give a top ten list of the great men in the Scriptures, Moses would appear on many people's list. But he didn't view himself that way. God called, on, God called on Moses to deliver his people, to go talk to Pharaoh, to do all these things that we now read and think about as great acts of faith. But Moses said, I, I can't do that. I don't even know how to speak. I'm not eloquent. When I do talk, it... Sounds like a dumb guy. I don't even know how to say things and string words together. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. You look at that whole little dialogue through there. You think about Moses and his beginnings. You know, they were pretty humble beginnings. He's, he's watching over cattle and herds and things like that, and then he's asked to do this. And the challenge with that is because we don't view ourselves that way many times. We don't view other people that way many times. But the problem is because we're not thinking about how God views us. 
And God told him that. God said, who, you know, kind of lectured Moses like he lectured Job. Who do you think I am? I'm the one telling you to do this, and I'm the one that created your mouth. You're going to be okay. Just do what I say, basically what he told Moses. There's no little people with God, and we have to understand that it's not human talent and effort that makes these kind of things work. And I think many times that's our problem is we attribute our own talent and our own effort and our own abilities to whether or not we can accomplish something, whether or not we can do things, whether or not our contribution matters. And I don't know how this, this widow felt about herself. I don't know what her view of her self-worth was. I suspect she looked at the amount that she was able to give and was maybe embarrassed by that, that she knew relative to the amounts that some of the people were putting in the treasury that it was not a significant amount. It says, Jesus even said, many people are putting in a lot out of their abundance, but it was a relative conversation. Their abundance, and we see that in society, right? You see some athlete donates a million bucks to some organization when he's making 50 million a year, you know, and he donates a million every 10 years. Or, you know, it's, it's trivial. It really is at that point. And so part of our conversation this morning is let's dig into how, you know, what was her motive? What was it that made Jesus really look at her and this situation stand out relative to the other people? And if we'll use God's standards to look at others, I think we'll really then value people for their true worth. Listen to what God says he values in a person. You might remember when Peter in Acts chapter 10 was called to go to the house of Cornelius. And it's really an interesting time because this is really a time where there's kind of a bridge built between the Jews and the Gentiles relative to the church. And it's really the time where, where Peter delivers the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he goes through that whole dialogue there. And what's Peter say? Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Isn't it kind of refreshing that there's some simplicity in what God values in somebody? This sounds a lot like what Solomon said, doesn't it? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. This is what God values in a person. He, he values someone that fears him and does what is right. Do what I asked you to do. That's how I value a person. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're this poor widow. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States. There's no little people with God. There's people that serve him is all there is, that have a desire to serve him. And all he cares about is our devotion to him. And, and while there's no little people or big people or any God doesn't respect people in the way we respect people. There are little things that make a lot of differences, and I think that's what we see with this woman and her decision and what she put in. And that leads to our second point. Little thoughts and little actions and little, the little things that we do lead to big results. And that's really whether you're talking about things, ne negative things, things with negative consequences that can cause problems in our lives or things that can produce godly results or 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 uh, positive consequences, good decisions, things like that. Little things add up over time. You hear it all the time when you hear, whether people are talking about diet and exercise, whether they're talking about financial things and how do you view your financial life and overall retirement planning and things like that. 
the value of little decisions over the course of time has a huge and a massive impact on our lives. James chapter 4 and verse number 17, he says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You know, we talk about this verse a lot, um, you know, kind of with a blanket statement that, hey, as Christians, our desire should be, if we're in a situation and we know that, that there's a way that we should react or behave in that situation, and we don't do it, then that's sinful behavior to us. And it's pretty straightforward um, reading through the book of James, and we're going to read a couple other verses in the book of James this morning too, but it's pretty straightforward to understand that. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is is sin. Think about all the little decisions you make on a daily basis. And how often you make good decisions on those little things. And then think about where you sit at the end of the day and what those added up to. Our lives really are kind of a cumulative effect of those things. Think about all of the problems in the world that are caused by little decisions. You hear, you hear people talk about drug abuse, and, and you'll hear uh, a recovering drug addict describe how they, got, how they got into the drugs in the first place. And many times it's a very simple kind of um, seemingly, seemingly a situation where it was really kind of doesn't seem like a big deal. I was with friends. It was something very casual going on. The things that were going on, it was just something I was just going to do once and then it was going to be over. And then all of a sudden they're hooked on heroin or cocaine or whatever it is. And it leads to a pattern of behavior that's destructive and just lifelong, a lifelong battle because of that one little choice they make, or financial situations all the time. Our society is so caught up with all the things we need money for. The average credit card debt in our country is about 6800 bucks, and that's, that's a couple years old. That's the average credit card debt. The average savings of the American household is $5,000. So the average American household can cannot take their life savings and cover their credit card debt. It's mind-boggling. And again, those are averages. If you take a lot of households, the credit card debt's more like forty, fifty thousand dollars no end in sight. All because I wanted the t-shirt in college that they offered me for signing up. And then it becomes easy to swap that. And before you know it, there's forty thousand dollars in debt that I have no idea what to do with. All of these things, people make decisions that ruin their families because they thought they were doing something that wasn't a big deal. What about spiritual decisions? It's not that big a deal if we miss church this week. You know, the kids have a lot going on. We'll just skip church this week for the game, for the ball game. And then, well, we made the playoffs, so we're going to miss it next week too. And, oh, what, we made all-stars, so now we got to miss this week. And, Somebody asks us to be on their club team, so we'll just quit going to church. And over time, that's how these decisions work. Or maybe in our daily lives, a lack of prayer, a lack of study. You know, we, we skip a day. We skip, we skip. People talk about skipping leg day. Maybe we skip prayer day. Maybe I don't pray today. Okay, well, that's, a, that's not that big a deal, but maybe it leads to me not praying tomorrow. Before you know it, my prayer life is pathetic, and my faith's growing weak, and it's leading me away, and that's how these things work. It's just a s- snowball over time. But the, the good news is it works the other way too. Again, you hear people talk all the time about, about getting healthy, you know, just 
cut out one little thing. Say no to the piece of pie one time, one time a day. Instead of having a piece of pie a day, maybe you're a couple times a week now. And then before you know it, you, you can go without it for the week. And then before you know it, you've lost the 20 pounds and you feel better. And the doctor says your blood looks better. Or maybe you, maybe you make a decision to, to quit buying the Starbucks every day and spending the six or seven bucks on the coffee and you can brew the Folgers and Carson's not going to approve of it, but you drink it anyway. And before long, you're saving 100 bucks a month. And over time, the way interest compounds, and all of a sudden you turn 65 and you have a couple million bucks in the bank and that you can actually have some kind of a retirement on. And I'm not here to say God cares if you have a couple million bucks in the bank when you retire, but I'm just trying to illustrate the, the point that these little decisions end up with big results. And certainly from a spiritual perspective, you see it all the time. We talk about people, men and women, who made the decision to obey the gospel and start taking their family to church, and then before you know it, you're three generations removed, and there's a whole slew of people that are in the church because a couple people made a decision 50 years ago. Or you don't forget to say that prayer, and all of a sudden you're praying for somebody else, and all of a sudden you find yourself being more prayerful about everything in your life, and then your face increased, and then you're because you're praying more, you decide you need to study about something. And before you know it, you're a better Christian because you made those little decisions. Whosoever knows to do right and to do it, does it not, it's sin. Let's do a better job of that, and I think we'll, we'll see our lives improve. Can't, we, can't, we can't overstate the importance of paying attention to details. And I would even argue that the best way to get good as a Christian, I'm using that word loosely, is to pay attention to the little things. And we all want, we all want these big things to happen on our lives. But if we'll get good at the little things, we're going to see the church improve because of it. I saw a quote by a guy. I couldn't find, I couldn't find who the quote was actually attributed to, but it kind of made me think. said, the beginnings of unfaithfulness are always the little things that we think will make no difference. No one was ever called of God to a high position who did not lay the foundation of that call in courageous faithfulness to the small details of life. But whether our position be high or low, it is required of a steward that he be faithful. Now, it's kind of also ironic that this guy is talking about these little things and he's still talking about important or not so important positions and all that. But the point struck with me, and you think about, and as you look at all these people, like we talked about Moses, all these people, it's... The faithfulness starts in the little things. Think about when we went through the process of selecting elders. What does that process look like? What are the qualifications based on? Well, it's based on people that do the little things. We have faith in men to do that because we see them do the little things in life. We see them actually do the things they're supposed to be doing. We see them working. We see them serving. We see them studying. We see them teaching. We want to build on the little things. thought that was a pretty interesting quote. James, in his chapter 3, where he's talking about taming the tongue, uses a couple of different illustrations there, but he talks about um, the tongue being a fire. And if you think about how the fire, how a building a fire works, all the guys here can relate to this. We're all kind of pyromaniacs by nature, so we understand how this works, but you think about how that fire building process works. The first time we got an apartment with a fireplace, I was pretty fired up and we went and bought a cord of wood. It's like, we're going to build fires all winter and I'm going to figure out how do you construct the perfect fire. And so the first time I did that, I went and got 
three logs off the stack of firewood and threw them on there. Got a little piece of newspaper or something, lit it under it. The newspaper burned up in flames, was right under the three pieces of wood, and the newspaper was consumed finally, and the fire went out, and nothing was burning. It's because it doesn't start with three huge logs. You've got to start with something smaller, a little piece of kindling. And as the point I'm trying to make this morning is that's how a lot of these things work in our lives. We can't just all of a sudden chunk a bunch of logs on the fire and expect it to burn. You've got to start with something small, something dry that'll catch easy. And once you get that going, you can put a little bigger on it. And then once you get it, everything raging, then you can chunk a log on there that's kind of soaked in the rain or whatever, and it'll catch fire eventually because you've built this foundation of a fire that can handle the other stuff. And I think James in that chapter does a really good job with those simple metaphors. He talks about the ship and steering the ship and the horse and how the small bridle controls the horse. All those little things that make a big impact on the direction. Think about some of the scriptural examples of people we have um, that some good things happen to. Many of these people on this list, some bad things happen to because of such a little decision. And I kind of did a a quick who's who here of the stories that we're all familiar with that should make sense to people. We're not going to go read all those stories. You should be able to, in your head, I would think, come up with what happened to these people. If not, go read about them. We can help you find the where those passages are at if you need to. But the, the verse we put up here, 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a man named Naaman uh, who had heard about a man of God being there. and um, had, this was, Naaman was a man that had leprosy, if you remember, and was really interested in having that leprosy cured. And so he was told what to do to cure that leprosy. And if you, you remember his reaction um, to what the man of God told him, he said, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. So he requested this man come talk to him. He requested a way to cure him of his leprosy. The man of God actually complied with that and told him what he needed to do to have that happen, and it wasn't good, for, good enough for Naaman. And he had this vision in his head of what should have went on there. This guy was going to come do some great thing and wave his hand and call on God and put on this show, and then he was going to be killed his leper. He just told him to go dip in the River Jordan. And if you read through that account, he came away from that as a leper until he went and dipped in the River Jordan. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's all he's asked of us. You think about, you look through this whole list and all the small things. Uzzah, we talk about that and how, was it that big a deal that he reached, reached his hands forward to stop the, the ark from falling? Or you think about David, you know, and the, I think about the story of his life and how all of that could have changed if he wouldn't have just looked over that rooftop. Or, or when he did look over that rooftop, if he would have just turned away and had more of a Joseph attitude on that, turn and ran, but all of the other stuff that occurred in David's life because of that, these small things, all of these small things that happened in people's life led to significant results for all of these men and women, one way or the other. And that leads us to the final thing I want us to consider this morning, and that's the value of a little bit of faith. How much a little bit of faith can make a difference in our lives. When we think about this widow that we talked about, what do you think it means when it says that she gave all? What is the lesson we're to learn there? Is the lesson we're to learn that she just gave a, a sum of money? Is it that we're to learn a lesson about giving money in general? That 
the principles of giving? Is that what Jesus was trying to teach him there? That she that that her amount was a lot? Was it because it was become was it because of the percentage that she gave? You know, in her case it was a hundred percent. He said she gave all. What was the percentage that the rich people gave? We're never told that. You know, did they give two percent, ten percent? I don't know. I would argue and submit to you this morning that the lesson was that it was a heart issue, that it was because her, of where her heart was that she gave everything. And I think that's what the lesson is. The lesson is about the heart. The lesson was about her devotion. The lesson was about what her desires were really set on and what her intentions were and what she really cared about. The scriptures say, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That was the, this was the example she set, where her treasure was, was where her heart was. The money meant nothing to her. And even though it was a tenth of a cent, it meant nothing to all those rich people too. But it meant everything to her. She gave it all. James said, pure religion and an undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This verse, to me, screams the little things. This verse screams that if you want to be the Christian God wants you to be, you worry about the little things. And many times we want to think about the big things. We want to think about what does it mean to dig into the book of Revelation. And we want to understand what the end times look like. And we want to understand all those deep discussions in the scriptures, and there's a time and a place for that, and I'm not saying don't go try to understand the book of Revelation. We tried to do that last fall. We did a whole series on it. But you know what? You can go to heaven and not really ever understand what the book of Revelation means. You can get into heaven and not understand what the beasts are and all that stuff, and you can go to heaven. Because you can go visit the fatherless. You can visit orphans. You can visit people whose husband or wives have passed away and check on them and care about them and take them a meal and take them to a doctor's appointment and bring them some company. And you can do what you can to not look like the world. You can do what you can to not care about what government says you should look like or what society says you should look like or what some million Instagram followers care what you look like and what you do. You can keep yourself unspotted from the world, and that's pure religion. And that's what the little things are. Conversations like that led the disciples at one point to ask Jesus, who was the greatest in the kingdom? Do you remember that story? They, were, they, they had this scorecard in their head of, of where they ranked in terms of kingdom greatness. God doesn't look at it that way. He probably would have put the widow at the top of the list. He kind of did put her at the top of the list here. He said she's given far more than any of them. He knew her heart. He, Jesus used uh, something that's interesting to me in some of his parables as he's talking about this. And as we think about the value of a little bit of faith specifically, I want to read this parable in Matthew chapter 13 about a mustard seed. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, 
which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. This is Matthew chapter 13. So he describes this mustard seed. I've never seen a mustard seed, but there is apparently what it looks like. And he even called it the least of the seeds. It's a very tiny, small, minute thing that doesn't get a significant amount of value. But over time, it grows into a large tree that becomes a place for the birds to nest, as he describes it there. I have, many of you know, I kind of have a fondness for trees. I've planted a lot of them, and I know I live in the wrong part of the world to have a fondness for trees. But you plant those trees, and you're just itching for them to gain some size. You want some shade. I had a vision that they were going to cover my driveway, and you have to be patient with that process. There's just no way around it. You know, I tried to buy a few that were bigger, and then they tell me, well, the bigger ones take a little bit longer to get established and get rooted and start growing again. So I bought a bigger tree that two years in, the smaller tree caught it because it was small enough that it could root good and get, to get established well, and it grew faster and was bigger than the big tree. So you have to have patience in all this. And it's he, the way he described it here, this, this, this thing that's so seemingly insignificant turns into this mighty tree that provides shade and housing to these birds and all this kind of stuff. And that's the way our faith works. And if we don't look at these things properly, we're never going to plant the seed. We're never going to plant the mustard seed, and the tree's never going to show up. So we have to make these small decisions to allow them to add up over time. And it's a really good perspective. He went a couple chapters later, he used the same mustard seed to talk about faith. And he said, if you had the faith of a grain of this mustard seed, you could move mountains. And we look at that and say, well, they couldn't really move mountains. So that's not what he's saying. He's saying if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. And maybe we can't get there with our faith to move a mountain but if we had just a little bit, the things that we could do for the kingdom, if we had a little bit of faith, let's watch our thoughts because our thoughts become our actions. And we need to watch our actions because our actions become our habits. And we need to watch our habits because our habits start to define our character. And before long, our character starts to set the course of our eternity. And it's all based on these little decisions that we make time and time and time, and they build upon each other. Let's be careful of that. One last parable as we close. You might remember the story in Matthew chapter 25 when he talks about this man who was going traveling and decided to disperse some of his possessions to his servants. We call this the parable of the talents. And he gave the one man five talents, and he gave the other man two talents, and he gave the third man one talent to deal with and look after and, and shepherd while he was gone. And when he came back and returned, he talked to the man that had the five talents and he had taken that and increased it and added another five talents. So he had ten talents. And the man that he had given two talents had put that talent to work as well and gained two other talents. But the man that he'd given the one talent knew his, knew his master. And he said, I knew you were a hard man. And he knew that he had one talent to look after, and he was scared about that. He was scared about the responsibility. And so he dug a, dug a hole and put it in the ground. And he was called wicked and slothful because of that, because that one talent that he'd given, that one little thing that he'd been given, he did nothing with. But he looked at the, the men that did something with that, and he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many, many things. 
enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's think about the little things in life. Let's make the little things be important things to us. When we think things are insignificant, when we think we're insignificant, Danny talked a couple weeks ago on his First Corinthian studies, talked about the body and the value of all the members of the body. And if you didn't hear that, go listen to that. It's a really good study on the value of each person in the body and the role each person plays in the body and how maybe we don't even know what that role is. Maybe we don't even know what our role is in the church. But you can't walk away from that saying, I have no value, that I have no role in the body because the tree doesn't grow up without all the parts. The tree doesn't grow up without the seed planted. No matter how important we think the mustard seed is, it grows into a strong tree. If you're here this morning and you have any need that the church can help you with, we want to offer an invitation at this time. I hope that I've encouraged you to think about the little things. Think about the little things this week. You know, the little things as you go about your day-to-day life. Think about prayer today. Think about the need for that. Try to pray every day this week. Try to, try to think of something that we view as insignificant, and we all know what those things are, but call somebody this week. Go see Karen. Go see Anetta. I know I can do better on all those things, and I'm, I intend to try to do better on those things. But find something that you perceive as insignificant this week and take action on that and see if it impacts somebody's life. See what it means to those people. See the smile on Karen's face when you go see her in the home or how it picks Anetta up, or whoever it may be, these people that we pray for on our sick list. We get in these routines in which we don't want to quit praying for them. They've been on there a long time, and it becomes routine, and we're human. We make mistakes. We forget. Do better this week. Think about the little things. Build your faith up and see where it gets you in a week or a month or a year. If there's anything that the church can help you with this morning, please come and let us know as we stand and sing the invitation song.